Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Hillco Homes Deep Dive podcast. This is Mike again, and I have another wonderful guest with me, so stay tuned. All right, guys. So first of all, thanks for continuing to listen to the podcast. Um, I know we are getting pretty close to our hundredth episode. We're not quite there yet, but it's exciting. We're almost there. I've been thinking of what I'm going to do for that special hundredth episode. Um, but in the meantime, we're going to continue putting out content and hopefully giving you some actionable value. Today, I have a guest with me, Annalise Maddox, and um, she is a wholesaler local to San Antonio. And we've actually done uh, a couple of deals with her and her team. Uh, in fact, um, when we moved into this office space, um, her and her team were actually uh, officing with us. We had a one of the rooms, uh, I guess, what, subleased uh, to their team, and uh, they, they were just down the hall so we could reach them anytime we needed. But... Uh, that's where I'm going to stop and I'm going to let Annalise introduce herself because I don't want to miss anything. So Annalise, welcome to the show and tell our audience a little bit about yourself. Hey, well, thank you for having me on. Um, so I, yeah, like you said, I am a wholesaler in San Antonio. I work with a team, um, my partners, Aaron Bevins and Richard Natividad with Justice Cash Buyers. Um, we've been doing wholesaling here for about 17 months, 18 months. Mm -hmm. um, I was super, super part-time for the first six months and then finally kind of decided it got to a point where I felt like I was losing money <laughs> by having a job. Even though I wasn't really making that much of wholesaling, I just still just knew the potential was there if I could go full-time. Mm -hmm. So I quit my job with no money in my savings, <laughs> betting on that one deal that was supposed to close that of course never did, you know? Yeah. So um, that was a year ago. It'll be a year um, next week, actually, nice, that I left nice. my job. So. so what were you doing before wholesaling? Um, I worked for a trucking company, actually, that did like oil rig moves and really? stuff like that. But I worked more on the accounting side, mm -hmm. accounting and billing and all that. So completely different. So, you know, well, I mean, it's, it's, it's change, still, but... it's still a numbers thing. Yeah. So it's not, not that big of a difference. It's mm -hmm. just different industry. Yeah. But, um, and how did you get started with that? Um, with the trucking company? Yeah. Yeah. I actually, so I actually worked at a gym before and one of the employees that I worked with, she went to go work for them and mm. she just brought over all the people from there. So basically <laughs> we just took a handful of people from one company and moved them over cause it was a new company that started. So I was with them for yeah, six years yeah. before I left. So crazy. Didn't know anything about trucking learned a bunch of stuff that I'll probably yeah. never ever use again but you know <laughs> no, might come funny. in handy later it's funny you say that it's like um so uh, you know I have my own uh, business podcast mm -hmm. for for one of, for my consulting business and I've been talking to a lot of different entrepreneurs and it's really funny how there's so many similarities and overlap in yeah. all these different stories um and I don't know if I've told you, but at one time I did own a truck washing business No. and, um, and I had never done anything with trucking either. You know, it was just, it was one of those things. Like I had just started my consulting business and, um, I had a, uh, an associate of mine from another business that we had worked together and, um, we we're from the same small town. And, uh, he told me, uh, you know, a buddy of his approached him at church and was like, Hey, I got this idea for truck washing. I'm a truck driver and there's no place mm -hmm. in town to wash trucks. And I was thinking, you know, he, he like gave the whole uh, spiel. My buddy was like, well, I don't know anything about, you know, starting a new business or, you know, what, mm -hmm. what to do. And I was like, 
well, I'll write the business plan and I'll, you know, run all the backend admin stuff if you give me 20% of the business. And he was like, okay. So that's how I got involved with that. And, you know, I, I helped with like training new employees. I think I personally physically washed like two or three trucks uh, just so that I could like learn what yeah. the process was mm -hmm. and figure out like how to make it more efficient and mm -hmm. you know, what, what all that to do. Um, had that business for about a year and a half before we sold it and made some money off of it. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, it's, it's that's so random. Yeah, very, one of the many companies random. that you plug like every conversation <laughs> leads to a company you had at one time. And I'm like, you're not old enough to have had all these companies already. <laughs> I try. I try. Yeah, <laughs> so you left a trucking business mm -hmm. to get into wholesaling. Again, a very different yeah. switch. You were at a gym and then mm -hmm. trucking and now wholesaling. How did you get into wholesaling? So I have always been super interested in real estate. Like even as, you know, as a kid, like I remember being like eight and my parents going house shopping and I wanted to go with them so I could go look at the houses and stuff. So I was always mm -hmm. really interested. I just never had the, um, I didn't realize that it was possible to do unless you were like, you know, obviously some crazy millionaire who already had the money. And so I just never really bothered looking into it, mm -hmm. but I was always really interested. And, um, a friend of mine about, I guess it's been a little over two years, I guess it would have been, yeah, about two and a half years ago, um, was signing up to do an online, um, training course where they actually teach you like every day, there's like a video on how to flip a house mm. and it's like how to acquire the property. And then once you get it, how to flip it, how to do it the right way and how to sell it for a profit. And so, um, he had already bought the course. It was like $300. And, um, it was for two people. So I just split it with him. And mm -hmm. so we both did it and it was a really good training course. It was a guy out of Iowa, um, that was doing it and it was just very detailed, but the same guy who was doing the course is, um, name is Mark Lane. He's in Des Moines, Iowa. Mm -hmm. He actually wrote a book before that about wholesaling and he sells, sells it on Amazon and everything. And so I didn't know what wholesaling was. We ended up going to his course afterwards, actually went to Iowa. But I went to Iowa, did this whole thing. He took us through the process. And so I learned a ton of stuff there that I didn't know any of it. But while we were there, naturally the topic of wholesaling came up. Mm -hmm. And like, as I'm learning how to flip, I'm thinking, well, why would I do that when I could just make almost the same thing wholesaling, you know? So I got way more right. interested in the wholesaling aspect while I was learning how to flip. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. um, yeah, so we came back, spent, you know, probably like six, eight months trying to get started. Never really did anything. Try, I say trying, but more like afraid to get started, you know? <laughs> yeah. So prospecting, watching YouTube, doing all this kind of stuff, but never <laughs> really did anything. And actually about a month after that, I ended up meeting Aaron, my partner, because he had a bandit sign while I was driving for dollars. Mm -hmm. And so I was thinking, well, I should probably network, you know, meet other people who are doing this. Cause obviously at this point now I know bandit signs are probably wholesalers. Yeah. And so, um, I called him and we just like hit it off really well. And so we ended up meeting up maybe like a week or so later and he had another partner at the time. And so did I. And, um, but he was just very encouraging, really helpful. And he didn't mind, you know, giving us tips. It wasn't like a competition kind of mentality. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, we connected really well on that, but that was, I guess, no, it was like about two years ago, November. And then this, not this past June, but the one before, I just decided when I was actually had a job interview mm -hmm. and my brother was like, why are you, it was for another accounts payable job, just paying more for a different company. And um, mm -hmm. he's like, why are you going to go get another job paying more in an industry you don't care about at all? That's going to make it harder for you to leave. You know, yeah. he's like, you're just going to get stuck in there if you don't go do something you actually want to do. Cause he's, you know, he's looking at me cause I don't have any kids. I'm, you know, totally free to go do what I want. He's <laughs> like, and he's over there trying to start a business with three kids and now four, you know? And so he's like, you should be doing what you want to do now while you can. So yeah. I, yeah 
called in. I felt super flaky. I canceled on a job interview and I ended up actually calling Aaron that same day. And we met up like the next day and decided to partner up. Like I was really just going to offer to shadow what he was doing for free, Mm -hmm. but it just worked out because he had just quit his job. So it just worked out. So we went, um, you know, like out into a partnership from there. Okay. So you get into a partnership to do a running wholesale business operation. Mm-hmm. Um, what was that like? I mean, was Aaron now he's in it, into it full time. Mm-hmm. You're now into it full time. Um, was it just the two of you? Did you have a team? Like what did that look like getting started? Well, so it started out just the two of us cause he had already done a handful of deals while mm-hmm. he was working part time too. Well, he was working full time and doing wholesaling part time. He had just gone full time that like literally within the same week. And, um, I think he was kind of like, well, I have all these leads now and I have all this time, like might as well, you know, bring someone else in. So he had already had some of the experience. He was still fairly new, but he had way more experience than I did at that point. Mm-hmm. And so his, his mentality was like, well, I can train you to do it. You can, you know, double the amount of work we can do and right. have it be a 50, 50 and it works out great. So I got to learn and has still had the opportunity for a 50, 50 partnership, which is, you know, an awesome opportunity. Cause it's not normal to come across that. So yeah, I was willing right. to do it for free too. Right so yeah. luckily, yeah. So, but, um, but it was just the two of us. And then after about two, maybe two and a half, three months, we actually found there was another guy who came in, um, Pablo Rodriguez, and you all know him. Yeah, yeah. He was actually working with us for a while too. And he had a whole team because his idea was, why are we doing these calls when we could be running the appointments? We could have 10 people doing our calls, you know? Mm-hmm. So he's kind of the one who we had talked about that, but he was ready to jump in and just immediately start doing it. So, yeah, yeah. you know, we ended up getting a whole team of people on who were doing our calls and we kind of fluctuated because we didn't really know what we were doing. And so, you know, we had this great idea, brought on like 10 people and then completely like overwhelmed, didn't know what we were doing and then, you know, go through waves and came back down to like three or four. And so we've actually gotten down to, there's just three of us now. Mm-hmm. There's um, just Aaron and Richard and I, mm-hmm. but we, and we have a, a VA as well, but. Okay. So when you, when you guys first got started, you have all these leads and all this time, mm-hmm. how long did it take you to get your first deal together? Like now you're hundred yeah. percent committed. So I was still, I was still very part-time. I was only working. I had Wednesdays off. So mm-hmm. I was working Wednesdays and then I had, um, like two hours in the evenings when I get home from work. Um, so, but that took me, we started middle of June. Um, my first deal didn't cash until beginning of September. Okay. So, but we contract, you know, we contracted about six weeks out. There were a couple of deals, of course, that we would contract and fell through, but my first yeah, deal yeah, to actually fund it was not until beginning of September. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. So that wasn't, that wasn't too long. I would say mm-hmm. it's about what, four to four to five months, which is about the average. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I know here at Hillco, when someone who's fresh, that's never done mm-hmm. wholesaling, maybe has some sales experience yeah. from the day they start to the day they, uh, contract their first deal. It's mm-hmm. typically about 60 to 90 days. So yeah. two to three months. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. So that, that's fairly typical. Mm-hmm. And since then, you've obviously done a number of deals mm-hmm. together, um, and individually and stuff, but, um, how has the business grown? Like what have, what have you seen in terms of the core business mm-hmm. and its operations and, um, I guess your role in all of that stuff, how's mm-hmm. that changed? Well, um, really up until recently, we kind of, and we've like, we, we're very open about the fact that we are so trial and error mode, even still like y'all know we worked with you here. Like yeah, we come in there yeah. and ask y'all questions. We don't know what the heck we're doing. But, yeah. We um, even had that conversation when yeah. we actually first started doing business with you guys when mm-hmm. we were still at Geekdom. Oh yeah. That, um, uh, it was like, 
what you guys don't have a CRM yeah oh I know I remember when I came to meet with you about the CRM and you were explaining I was like this is possible you mean like I don't just have to have notepads everywhere and I'll keep all this stuff and I still am terrible about the CRM I'm so bad with keeping track of it but yeah um no I would say for the most part we've kind of we've since partnering with um, our third partner Richard back in August we really kind of solidified our roles a little bit because Mm -hmm. We, we were, everyone was doing everything before. So, you know, I had my leads and I was going to take my lead basically from start to finish. You know, Mm -hmm. I would need Aaron to come in where he could. And then he'd have me come in in my areas, you know, stuff like that. But we kind of realized over time, like I'm okay with acquisitions. It's not that I have trouble with it. And I'm actually, if I, you know, I I do well working with people and doing it, but I don't really like love it. Mm -hmm. It's stressful to me. And I don't like, I don't, I'm not salesy, you know, I've just never been a salesperson. I don't have trouble with it, but I don't enjoy it. Yeah. Whereas Aaron and Richard like love it. They like thrive on that. They want to get out there and go see how low they can get somebody. And it's a sport to them. And that's just not my mentality. I enjoy more of the operating side of things. So it's kind of fallen into place that I do more of the, um, transaction coordinating Mm -hmm. management kind of things, just keeping, keeping more track of numbers and yeah, yeah, lists yeah. and stuff like that whereas and then Aaron kind of does more of the acquisitions and we have Richard who does more sales and so, so um, amongst the three of you then who, who is there like a more specific role for dispositions or do you all kind of do dispositions for mm. yourselves or for each other or what's that look like Rich, Richard's kind of handling dispositions because um, he's been working on building our buyers list mm. and so just naturally it kind of works you know he's building relationships with these buyers so you know he's going to communicate primarily with them we all have you know, our Aaron has a large, you know, group of people he's networked with. And so if there's someone specific, then we'll contact them directly depending on who has the relationship. But overall, right. we have kind of dispositions. Richard handles that. And okay. So give us a little idea of like a, uh, the day-to-day operations of what, what you do. And I know that's kind of uh, oversimplifying because yeah. when, when you're a small business, every day is different exactly and and there's always challenges things always come up and Mm -hmm. um there's always fires to put out and fires you're trying to prevent from even starting and uh, and so i know it's a little difficult because not every day is the same Mm -hmm. but what would be like a typical day for you typical day ideally um usually start somewhere around like 9 9 30 i'd go in and kind of just review all of the any contracts we have open anything Mm -hmm. figure out you know what is the status of everything who needs to be contacted today whether it's title or a seller or buyer whoever you know different details things we need um the goal right now we're kind of trying to ramp up our um inventory Mm -hmm. so my goal is to also work on follow-up because i've got follow-up from a year and a half ago you know people who i've been calling every two three months or even more than that if necessary so um you know, kind of go through my, basically look over my day plan, figure out, you know, what needs to be done today. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I'll go through that. Then try and are to, you know, one of those people <clears throat> that has like, you build out your plan, uh, like your schedule, like a week in advance or a day in advance, or is it kind of like you, you make it the day of, or the morning of <clears throat> based on what's going on? Like what, how, what's that I'm, process? I'm more of the day of kind of thing because like you said like you don't really know what each day is going to be like I've done the whole like plan it out a week in advance and it helps to a degree because you have certain things that like you know for a fact you have to do this every day there's no question but then there's um you know you never know what's going to pop up each day so I try to do it in advance but it usually kind of comes down to more of the day-to-day um 
So yes, yeah, so we're you know trying to keep track of all the de the deals that are we're trying to get moving, just because it's really easy once you have multiple deals in the system. Mm -hmm. If one of them is not your top priority, it's really easy to kind of let it just sit there. And if you're not calling title, asking them about it, that's not going to be their priority either. Yeah. So it's easy to let something kind of just sit there and you forget about it until all of a sudden you're like, oh shoot, I only have a week left on that contract. Yeah. And we yeah. haven't, you know, gotten it where it needs to be. So that's what I'm you know trying to stay on top of, and then. Um, you know, working with any acquisition side that I need to be doing right now with my follow-ups. So know. it's interesting you bring that up because um, I think one of the, and, and, and I'm saying this from like experience of building out CRMs for mm -hmm. other wholesalers and other investors. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and, and I think there's a, a common thread of, it's there's a difficulty in identifying or rather difficulty in figuring out how to identify mm -hmm. priority right um like uh, and and there's like and i'll i like to break it up into sections so there's the acquisition side and then the disposition side mm -hmm. and then the closing side right so in each of them there's like higher mm -hmm. lower levels of priority so right. for example in acquisitions if you call someone they say yes i want to sell and i want to sell tomorrow mm -hmm. obviously that's a super hot very yeah. high priority lead you right. want to you want to be on top of that because you don't want it to fall through right and then on the opposite end of the spectrum, you have that person that says, well, I'm going to be traveling. Um, I, mm -hmm. I'm not going to, you know, I, I might consider selling, but yeah. maybe not for another year. Mm -hmm. So then that person is now on like a six month follow up yeah. or a year follow up. Mm -hmm. So obviously not very high priority. Right. Um, so how do you identify what is considered high priority or not high priority? Is there like a process you have or um, like what, what is what does mm -hmm. that look like? I don't know if I would say there's a specific process, but it's really just going off of, I mean, there's certain key indicators, obviously, like depending on the level of distress, the reason for the person wanting to sell. Mm -hmm. And cause yeah, cause we get that. And, and that's one of the things we've worked with a lot of newer wholesalers recently and you, you kind of have to learn to contain your excitement, enthusiasm <laughs> on certain things. And so, and it's understandable cause you know, in the beginning, you get one person who's like, yeah, I might be interested in your, oh my gosh, we have to go right now. We've got to go see it. And you realize like, that's, you kind of got to learn how to gauge the the level of motivation and the reasons. And so that's something, um, but I would say it's more of a case by case basis, but yeah, I mean, there's definitely, um, I'd say there's a process you go through mentally, but it's more, it's more just based on each person individually. Like mm -hmm. I find that, um, if the person is not interested in talking to me about it, they're probably not super motivated because more than like, cause you can tell a difference. Like if, if they're just kind of like, Oh, well, I don't know how much would you, how much would you give me? Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, well, I don't, you know, I need to see the property first. I want to make you an accurate offer. And they're like, oh, okay, well, I don't know. Maybe like, I'm like, that's just somebody who wants to know how much you think their house is worth. Yeah. If they're not really interested in if they're not willing to let you come see it, I'm not going to be first priority hunting these people down. I'm going to keep them on a follow up because they showed yeah. some interest, you know, but yeah, yeah. But it is definitely something you notice, like with newer people, where they're like, "This person said this," and I'm like, "Well, yeah," and they're like, "Well, they said that they would sell if it's for the, like the right price or if they can get market value." Like, yeah, no, that's not that's, that's, not, that's not worth dropping what you're doing right now and run over there to the other side of town yeah, to make yeah. them a seventy percent offer when they want retail, you know. So, mm -hmm. so what do you think has been the, uh, I guess, biggest challenge um, growing as a wholesaler, like? Um, and I asked that question because 
I think it's a common question to mm-hmm. ask, like, what's the biggest challenge when you first get started? Yeah. Like everybody asks that question. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's harder when you, when you ask the question about how do you keep it growing? Yeah. Because getting started, yes, it has its own sets of challenges, its mm-hmm. own hurdles, but once you get started, like, then what? Yeah. <laughs> you then know? you got to keep going. <laughs> yeah. You got to keep going. So, yeah. so what, what do you, in, in your experience and with the team that you have, like what's been the biggest challenge in, mm-hmm. in maintaining and growing in the business? I would say for me personally, um, me personally, especially is consistency because when you're coming from a background, like I don't have a background of sales where your effort mm-hmm. is a re- your income is a result of your effort. Right. I'm used to a nine to five show up, you know, waste time while you're there, you know, watch the office while you're at your desk working. No, but you know, so it's a, it's a very different mentality. And so it's easy in the beginning, you're excited. And so you just, that's all you want to do. But once things become kind of routine, you know, you have money coming in, it's very easy to lose your consistency and to, um, to not manage your time well. Mm -hmm. And especially because, you know, when you come from a nine to five industry, you're not really managing your time unless you have a super hectic job, in which case you do have to, but yeah. For the most part, you kind of just have to be there, at least you know in my in my past experience. So having to be on top of, I'm the one making myself do it. Mm-hmm. That's I think that's probably the hardest part is being disciplined with your time and schedule, and being disciplined enough to stay consistent when you don't necessarily at the moment feel like you need to. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I'm gonna shift the conversation a little bit because I think um, I have a, a unique opportunity to do so. Mm-hmm. Um, so first of all, so far on this show, we haven't had a lot of women mm-hmm. on the show. So getting the perspective from you going into the business, what was that like um, as a young woman mm-hmm. approaching people to buy their houses or working with other yeah. wholesalers? Like, do you think there was a difference between like your male partner counterparts yeah. or, you know, just the way people viewed you Mm -hmm. when doing business? Like, did you have any challenges there? I think that there is a difference for sure, but I think that's probably the case with almost any industry. Like, you know, you watch the people react differently. Like men react different when they're acting with men. Mm -hmm. Women react differently. Like there's, I think it's, it's a, there's pros and cons to it. Like there were some situations where it definitely helped that when, you know, Aaron and I would go to an appointment, it helped that we were both there Mm -hmm. because if, you know, there's an older woman, they're more comfortable with me. Um, or if there's, you know, older man who's used to dealing with men, then he's, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm going to get more of the assistant role and I'm fine with that. I'll take the assistant role. I don't care if it gets the deal, you know, I'll be, I'll be running the little appointments, whatever. But, um, I would, I would say overall, I don't feel like I had much pushback from anybody else in the industry or anything. I feel like everything's been very like open to women. I don't feel like there's been any kind of issues there. Um, one of the things I feel like one of the issues that's been something for me is I feel like there is a safety aspect to it. Mm. And just because you're, you know, you're going to random houses, right. you don't know the people. Yeah, there've been yeah. a couple houses and I, as I get there, I'm like, my dad would kill me if he knew I was here right now. <laughs> if this person doesn't kill me first, you yeah. know, but, um, but I think overall it, it goes well. You know, I think, I think it's been a benefit in some situations and there have been some, I've definitely dealt with some men who, you know, they're older men and you know, some 20 something year old girl shows up. Well, I mean, I'm 30 now, but we had to talk about that <laughs> at the time. I was 20 something, but, um, you could tell like they're kind of, their, their mentality is a little, a little different, but I mm-hmm. feel like usually after a few minutes, they kind of warm up to you and it, it's, they realize if you know what you're talking about or you can fake it well enough, then it, it usually goes okay. 
Yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm just, I was just curious mm -hmm. because, um, like, first of all, the real estate community is very small, mm -hmm. uh, at least here in, in San Antonio. I, I mean, I, I think no matter where you're at, the local real estate community is very tight knit. Mm -hmm. But the wholesaler community within that is even smaller, yeah, and it really is. Um, and when working and interviewing and you know just in general communicating with uh, other wholesalers mm -hmm. or other people in the industry, that um, that I, I feel like um, compared to other industries or other lines of work, mm -hmm. um, as an entrepreneur, I feel like wholesaling is kind of a pretty even playing field yeah um like it doesn't matter where your background is mm -hmm. you know if you're a man or a woman or yeah. whatever um it's it seems like as long as you're willing to go out there and do it mm -hmm. like you can do it yeah no it really is it's one of those things and i think that's something that was encouraging to me because i would watch youtube videos of these 22 year old kids who were going on to i'm like okay mm -hmm. If people are taking them, because that is something I worried about. I'm like, people are going to take me seriously. Like, you know, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm, you know, some, I'm just some random girl shows up thinking like, you know, I don't look like I could be buying this house or so it, it does. I had that insecurity for mm -hmm. sure. And it helped for sure seeing these, I mean, you've got 18 year olds who are doing this and I'm like, who is going to take, sign a contract with this kid, but yeah. people do, are doing it. And I think it's just a matter of having the confidence and the knowledge when you go into it. So yeah, I feel like there's, as far as the even playing field, it definitely, mm -hmm. definitely seems like it. I mean, you see people come from all different backgrounds. And even now at this point, some of the people that are some of the most successful people I've met, they're not trying to pretend like they're anything like they're, you know, they're obviously not worried. They're not pretending like they're super educated and anything, but they know what they're talking about in their industry. Right. And that's what right. matters, you know? Okay. So we are coming close to the end of our time here, but one of the things I wanted to touch on, um, is what advice you would give to somebody who is new and in getting into wholesaling. Um, and, and I'm asking this from the perspective of, of your story, because mm -hmm. in your situation, you had a job mm -hmm. and you left that job to do wholesaling, mm -hmm. um, which I know a lot of people consider doing. Um, and, and I'm a, I'm a really big supporter of do what works for you. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I, I've been in situations where I had yeah. to have a job just to pay the bills until I could build my business up again. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and some people aren't like that. Mm -hmm. They go hundred percent all in, like yeah. it's either do or die or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, but, and in, in your experience, like you went ahead and you just left your job mm -hmm. and went into wholesaling. Um, and obviously that works for you, but mm -hmm. what advice would you give to anybody um, who's yeah. getting started in, in wholesaling that wants to do it full time? Yeah. Well, I would say, yeah, that's, I'm the same way where what I, my situation and what I did is not necessarily what I recommend. And I've, and I've talked to people and I'll, they'll talk about what I did and they're like, well, I just want to do that. And I'm like, that stresses me out because like, or if you have kids or, you know, someone's relying on yeah. you, then you know, take that into consideration. I would say in my case, it was a little bit unique because I'd been with the company for six years. Mm -hmm. I felt myself, um, falling away from it to the point where I had so little interest in the job anymore mm. that I was struggling to do a good job. And I felt really guilty about that. Yeah. And that was part of the reason where I was like, I don't feel like it's right for me to be here anymore because it's not fair for me to be just showing up collecting money from this company and I'm not really giving it my all because I just can't anymore because yeah. I was just so uninterested. And so that was part of the reason because I almost at that point felt like I owed it to them to leave because I didn't feel right about it. So um, 
I don't know. I would say definitely judge your, your situation, but if you're actually legitimately feel like you're at a place where you're ready to go full force and do it, mm-hmm. just make sure that you're prepared enough because, because nothing will ruin your momentum, like having the stress of you have no money, you're about to be evicted or something like that. Because like anybody talks about, like if you don't have money, then your mentality is going to be so different going into these deals. You're not going to have the kind of confidence and know your limits that you need to. You're going to be trying to make deals out of things that are not deals. You're just going to waste yeah. your time. So I would say definitely, ideally, I would say make sure you're in a position to be okay for a couple months before you leave a job, but also be prepared to, if you leave that job, you've got to go full force with it. You can't just kind of kick back and continue. You know, it's all just going to come to you now that you're full time, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I would say, but don't, Another thing is that don't hold back from just going. Cause that was one of the things I did. I was a prospector for a year. You know, I had every, I, I remember the first one of the first times I followed up after meeting Aaron, it was a few months later. I had a list of like three or 400 driving for dollars numbers. And he's like, Oh, well, what's happened when you called him? And I was like, Oh, well, I haven't called anybody. And he's like, Oh, you're killing me. Like you have, why are you not doing anything? Cause I was just afraid to get started. You know, yeah. don't be afraid to jump in and mess up because you're, you have to go through that and learn to be able to actually succeed with it. Well, let me ask you this then, because that, that brings up an interesting point. Um, from from what I gather, it sounds like it was extremely beneficial for you to have a partner. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Like someone to, uh, I guess, basically hold you accountable. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, do, would you say that that's true? Like, Oh, yeah, 100%. Like I like absolutely because because it was to a point where for me the reason was the reason that I was willing to actually go do the things that were uncomfortable for me I hated cold calling so uncomfortable um, was because he had put it at the effort into training me he mm. had actually bought these lists and at this point I was letting someone else down if I didn't follow through with what I needed to yeah. do and that's what I needed to get me over my fear okay awesome. So we're coming up to the end of the episode, but before we finish out, uh, I do need to give a really big, awesome shout out to Longhorn Investments. Um, you know, not only are they great working with us and with other local investors, um, but they're also our sponsor for the uh, our social media content, our mm-hmm. podcasts and Facebook Live stuff. So if you are an investor out there, new or experienced, doesn't matter. If you're looking for options in acquiring hard money funds, definitely reach out to Jade Flores. She's the regional manager for the South Central Texas area for uh, Longhorn Investments. Check them out. They have great rates. They're very transparent and they work with you every step of the way. Um, We actually had Jade on the show a couple episodes back and we're probably going to have her uh, back in the office in the studio to do another episode uh, here in the next, uh, I think, two weeks or three weeks. I'm not sure. Um, but, uh, every time I'm, I'm with the team there, they're fantastic people. I love working with them. Um, I know that if you are an investor looking for hard money funds, check them out. You will love working with them too. So that's pretty much it. Um, at least you're about to jump onto the ask wholesale show with Hernando on Facebook live. Um, so for our, our audience that's listening, um, we do have this podcast again, thanks for listening to the podcast, but this isn't the only place to find information about wholesaling, uh, or investing in real estate. Uh, Hillco homes does have an Instagram page and a Facebook, uh, uh, page as well as a group. And on our Facebook page every week, we have a Facebook live show on Wednesdays that's typically run by Hernando. 
And this is the time where you get to jump in and ask questions live. So our guests like Annalise and Hernando can answer your questions in real time and give you feedback. So definitely check those uh, shows out, follow our content. And if you have any ideas or topics or you want to be on the show, let me know. Send me an email, Mike, M-I-K-E, at hillcohomes.com. And for our audience, Annalise, if they want to reach you and maybe do some business with you, what's the best way they can contact you? Um, I'm on Facebook, so it's just Annalise Maddox. Um, and then also Instagram, and my Instagram is also just Annalise Maddox. Awesome, Which... awesome. Well, again, thank you for being on the show. Yeah, thanks for And me. for you guys listening, thanks for uh, taking the time to uh, hear our podcast. You know, wherever it is that you're listening from, I do know that we have some of you from other countries, so big shout out to you guys. Thanks for listening. And if you have questions, definitely send me an email and I would love to hear from you. Until next time, thanks.